Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Technology and Sports, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the sports status quo with technology that changes how the games are played, managed, and enjoyed. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. And run may be a very good verb for our show today. So I have the buzz quote for you. I'm going to say it and then I'll tell you what the world we're talking about. Listen up. It's not a math problem, but it's got numbers in it. Three phases, two hearts, one passion. What am I talking about? Well, you may never have heard of it. I certainly didn't until a few days ago, but I'm talking about the extreme Olympic equestrian triathlon sport known as eventing. That's right, E-V-E-N-T-I-N-G. You can go to discovereventing.com to learn more. This is where men and women compete equally as single horse and rider teams in a three-phase complete test of dressage, cross-country, and show jumping. Let me just give you a little background here. Uh, From its fox hunting beginnings in the 19th century, To military dominance in the 20th century, the sport changed in the 21st. Eventing became an Olympic sport in the Stockholm Games in 1912. It was open only to amateur riders who were in the military. The purpose was to test the cavalry on their fitness and suitability. They did dressage, showcasing skills from the parade ground, and the jumping phases demonstrated speed and stamina. On a more local level, horse trials, as they are often known as today, originated at badminton. That's a place, not a sport. In the 1940s, the 10th Duke of Beaufort decided to run an event at his home so British riders had somewhere to train for future international competitions. The first badminton horse trials were held in 1949, and that was the start of the sport at a national level. So today, data is involved. Storytelling is involved. We've got prediction tools. We've got audience judging and new technologies that are transforming eventing into an immersive fan experience that attracts new audiences. Are you ready? All I'm going to say is saddle up for the excitement. I have four experts on the panel. They're calling in from all over the world. We are so excited, and a big shout Shout out to Ryan Summers, who's the sponsor of this series, Game Changing Technology in Sports. You're going to learn so much from the show today, so stick around. Let me tell you who my four panelists are, and then I'll have them introduce themselves. First up, we'll be meeting Nicole Brown. She's a sports broadcaster. John Kyle, also a sports broadcaster. Dearm Byrne, I'm learning how to pronounce his name. He founded Equa Ratings. We'll find out what he does. And Harika Pates at SAP. So welcome to my esteemed panelists. Nicole Brown. You're up first. Please introduce yourself to us. What do you do and what is your involvement in eventing? Hi, Bonnie. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Really looking forward to it. I am a sports commentator and presenter, specialized mostly in equestrian sports uh, for the last sort of 10 years or so. I've worked with both Echo Ratings and SAP on a number of projects over the last few years as sort of technology has come more to the forefront in our sport, which is perhaps a little bit late to the game. We'll come on to that maybe a little bit later. Um, And really, from my role, I'm sort of the communicator and enhancing the fan experience. So that's what I'm really excited about. That's what I'm really passionate about. And, yeah, I can't wait to get started. Thank you very much. And and do you love the phrase, three phases, two hearts, one passion for you, Nicole? Does that embody the sport of eventing? Oh, absolutely. You know, eventing is such a unique sport. 
because you've got horse and rider, you've got men and women competing equally, you can have amateurs and professionals competing on equal footing. It is so unique and it is really quite special. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure to meet you. And let's move one spot around the table to John Kyle, also an international sports broadcaster involved in eventing. John, welcome to Game Changers Radio. Would you please introduce yourself? Um, I grew up in a very, very horsey family. I tried to get away from it uh, and ended up becoming a commentator uh, pretty much solely to go to events to kiss girls. Um, the, uh, that's now after a little bit of time away from the sport, being in the army and stuff here in Britain, it's turned into my full-time job. I work with a few sports federations and sports, equestrianism in particular, but also some skiing and cycling. Um, I work on um, public presentation for one or two of the sports federations and uh, media training for athletes, um, national broadcasters, and the Olympics. And Tokyo 2020 will be my third game. Um, oh, my I've worked goodness. with SAP a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. We initially started working together on the sport of dressage, which is one of the three parts that make up eventing. It's a very data-driven sport. And actually, just like Nicole, I'm really, really passionate and, and enthused that now we're looking at this more random sport. It, it, it is quite an unpredictable sport. And actually, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to see data come in and make those predictions. Thank you so much, John. Uh, we hear you perfectly now. I'm so intrigued by eventing. I didn't know anything about it. I'd never heard the word before I met the four of you in our prep call a couple of days ago. So this is certainly a refreshing way of looking at how technology can impact sports that you would never think. And we're going to find out how technology is playing into the sport. Where are there sensors? Where does the data come from? So we'll learn a lot from you and the other panelists in a few minutes. Thank you, John, and welcome again. Now let's go to Dearm Byrne, and he had to instruct me how to pronounce his first name. It's actually spelled D-I-A-R-M-U-I-D, but it's Dearm, like deer with an M on the end. And Dearm at Equa Ratings, why don't you please introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, Bonnie. Thank you for having us on. You're doing a great job at that name pronunciation. I can assure you that I get an awful lot worse um, than that at Princeton. That, so thank you for that. But it's, um, yeah, look, it's a pleasure to be on. And I suppose I, to give you a little bit of background, for me, I started my career as a lawyer. And, and as you can hear about the guys talking about the passion and, and the excitement of the sport, I ended up in this sport through, through friends of mine and, 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 from having absolutely no equestrian background at all, can't sit on a horse, don't know one end of it from the other, (laughs) I really just fell in love and got completely addicted to the sport. And fast forward a couple of years, I decided, well, actually, this is a sport which is completely lacking in in data analysis. There was a huge opportunity there to begin to bring some of the the data, the technology, which is, you know, which has revolutionized um, particularly the American sports. uh, And and you've talked about it a lot on your previous shows. So, look, that wasn't here a few years ago. Um, I found a sport I loved and and with a co-founder, Sam Watson, who is a a top international rider in this sport, we formed this company. So we're now advising lots of of teams, of federations, and and, and lots of different uh, brands and, and big broadcasters around the world, giving them the data to make sure they can add context for fans and, and information for, for team managers. 
Thank you very much, dear. You know, I've had many much more difficult names to pronounce in my <laughs> nine years and thousands of shows on Game Changers Radio, and yours is actually a pleasure. Dear, thank you for tutoring me on that. It's important. I appreciate that. And now one more stop around the table, Henrika Pace. Henrika, welcome, and please introduce yourself to our audience. Yes, thank you, Bonnie. So, as Bonnie said, I'm Henrike Pates, and I have the pleasure of running the equestrian sponsorship program at SAP, which is actually my dream job, as I have been a rider and horse enthusiast for literally all my life, starting as a pony girl. And now I'm in the amazing position to combine all of that with the technology opportunities SAP provides to me. And I've been 20 years with SAP, and since seven years, actually, I'm living the dream with the equestrian sponsorship program and topic. Also, I have to say, Bonnie, um, I have to admit, I also never heard the term eventing before I started this mm. job. So even um, I was in the sport, but of course, as a German, it was completely new to me as well. So I had to look it up also. <laughs> so SAP, I think it's known, we are known for helping companies around the globe become best run businesses and provide outstanding experience for our clients. And as a sponsor in sports, we do demonstrate the same with our partners. So we are, we are partnering with world-class players, with teams, with leagues, always aiming at creating innovative solutions and getting the experience and performance in the sport to a next level. And in the equestrian program, which I'm running, we have a very strong focus on fans and media offerings. So we do work with iconic platforms like CHO Aachen or the Event Rider Master Series, and we are also very proud to have, like, multi-time Olympic medalist Ingrid Klimke as our brand and technology ambassador, riding SAP Hale Bob as her Olympic champion horse. So this is just amazing. And in my role, as I already said, I am responsible for the program, and specifically I'm driving the creation of technology innovation with our partners. And in this ecosystem, um, we are working with amazing experts like Diem at Equiratings, to ideate and deliver this thought-leading fan technology. And also, I'm very happy that, uh, for example, also commentary legends like John, who's on the call, mm-hmm. confirm these insights we are creating to help them create a better storytelling. So this, in a nutshell, is what we are doing in the program. Thank you very much. I love when you said this is your dream job. I, I appreciate that. Broadcasting is my dream job. So I'm, I'm with you on that. It makes it just worthwhile to get up and do what you love to do. And I have a feeling that everybody in the panel is doing their dream job. For, I can hear the passion. So thank you all for the introductions. Now, if you're new to the show, I ask my guests in advance to send me an inspirational quote, preferably from a movie or a song that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And then I ask them to create relate the, to- the quote to the topic so we can get to hear how they think and what the topic means to them. So first up around the table, Nicole Brown has sent us a quote from Vince Lombardi, 1913 to 1970. I'll just say he was an American football player, coach and executive in the NFL National Football League. Best known as coach of the Green Bay Packers during the 1960s, led them to three straight and five total NFL championships in seven years and won the first two Super Bowls at the end of 1966 and 67. Oh, my goodness. So we are transporting from sport to sport here, Nicole. Here's the quote Nicole has selected, and it's so appropriate. It's not whether you get knocked down. It's whether you get up. Nicole, how would you find this wonderful quote from Mr. Lombardi? Uh, do you know what, Bonnie? I wanted to find something that sort of crossed sport. So, yes, it's an American football quote, but it's so relevant in eventing because not only are the knocks inevitable, 
but it's how you respond to them that shapes your future success. And, and in eventing, you can quite literally be on the floor. You can have nasty falls. It, it, is a, it is an extreme sport in that way. However, you know, these are people who get back up. And the real champions are those people who always want to do better. They have the ups, they have the downs, but actually, despite those knocks, they get back up and they get better. And I think for me, that is really one of the things that I love about eventing. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, you're working alongside a living, breathing animal and it's that partnership mm-hmm. and bond that takes it to a whole different level. So yeah, that's what drew me to the quote. It's one that I kind of try to apply to my life as well, I'll be honest. I appreciate that. And I was thinking of falling off a horse, getting knocked down and getting up. So there is a, a parallel in there somewhere. Interesting, you said eventing is working with an animal, a, a living, breathing animal, not just not a football or a sailboat or a tennis ball or or a baseball. It's it's there's something. There's another breathing, something, a breathing organism that's involved in the sport, other than the people and an inanimate object that becomes airborne or or sailborne. So very interesting. I'm glad you pointed that out, and that's what I really want to learn from the four of you is where in the world is this technology, and we'll get to it soon. John Kyle sent us a quote from What I Was Born to Do, which is a song from the musical Bring It On, the musical, and it was created by Amanda Green and Lin-Manuel Miranda, certainly known for his wonderful play that's still going around the world, Hamilton. The lyrics to the song were from Tom Kitt, and I'm just going to read the section of the lyrics that John Kyle has selected. There is no second place. You're either flying or falling. John, interesting quote. How'd you find this one? Um, I, my wife and I, we love musical theater. Uh, I actually, I'm on Spotify at the moment when I go running badly and slowly. I listen to uh, a playlist called Broadway Workout. Um, and what I was born to do is one of the songs that comes around. I haven't actually seen the show. Uh, I hear a lot of Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think, as we all do these days. But the, mm-hmm. the song is brilliant to run to. Uh, that's the first thing I would recommend to your listeners. Um, but the, this particular line just absolutely hit me. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's sport, isn't it? You know, it, it, it's boiled down into a tiny thing. And yet the, the funny thing about our sport and maybe when you delve into some of the other sports is we look at the whole picture. So we don't just focus in and, and appear in our sport when it's the Olympics or the World Championships. We follow it from the dark of the winter right through we see these horses at every level and just like you say when you have those two athletes involved human and horse you can't go out and try and win every single time because that's actually not the best preparation to run a marathon you don't go out and run 26 miles every day Mm -hmm. in training so uh, one of the things we might get to in the round table is this idea of sometimes we're not actually always trying to win we might be trying to beat our personal best so actually, I'm slightly putting this quote on its head. In pure sports, you might say there is no second place. You're either flying or falling. In our sport, you might have a different agenda that particular day. But my goodness, if you don't get it right, you're definitely falling off. 
Thank you. Very interesting. And I'm just going to read a little more from that lyric to give a little more context here. There is no second place. You're either flying or falling. Come on, pick up the pace. I hear destiny calling. You cannot be afraid to fall down and work through this. You cannot be afraid to fall down and work through this. John, I did you all a favor by not trying to sing it, so we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) I am a drummer. I'm a chick drummer, though. And I could have run in the other room and drummed to it, but I didn't do that either when I spared you. So let's move on. Thank you, John. I hear so much passion in in our panelists today, and I love it. Dear Byrne at Equa Ratings has sent us a quote from Bob Dylan. It looks like this one. Well, we all know Bob Dylan. Robert Allen Zimmerman, born in 1941. That makes him a kid as far as I'm concerned. I am younger, but still he's a kid. American folk and rock singer-songwriter, born in Duluth, Minnesota. I don't know why that's important. He received the Nobel Prize in Literature three years ago in 2016 for having created new poetic expressions within the great American song tradition. And there are a lot of quotes from him about whether he is a poet and the meaning of poet. This apparently is a quote from an interview by Nora Ephron and Susan Edmondson back in 1965. And here's the quote. Listen up. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. You can't be wise and in love at the same time. Dearm, talk to me. How did you find this amazing quote from Bob Dylan? Oh, Bonnie, people that know me will know there's probably no situation in the world that I can't find a, a Bob Dylan quote for. Um, I'm a, a very big fan of Bob. <laughs> So, uh, it's, uh, it's unrelenting and he's whatever 35, 36 studio albums now so there's always some situation which we can apply him to but I thought this was really interesting for, for what we're going to talk about today because you can hear the passion from from what the guys have been saying so far and the love in this sport is particularly strong you touched on it around the, the living, breathing animal uh, as you say it isn't a bat or a ball or a club and of course while there's nothing wrong with that we are really dealing with a, a real thing and in this sport and, and across the equestrian sport the connection between the horse and rider is a very difficult thing to put into words but when you're around it and when you see it you very quickly realize that it's just it's so emotional and there's such a strong connection between the two but then suddenly you put that into something like the olympics and or, or some of your other top events and you find yourself in this highly charged emotional environment where you're competing at the top end of the sport but you're also competing often with a partner with a with a connection that is really really strong that's going to be traveling with you to these shows over a long period of time now when you put all of this into the mix together what you're then asking people to do whether they're managers whether they're athletes whether they're commentators you're then asking them to be able to make sensible sporting choices. You know, John's alluding to it there, whether we are running to win or whether we're running to prepare. And our job is actually to, is, is the be wise part of this, of this quote, to try and remove ourselves from the highly emotional, highly emotionally charged situation and to be able to give people feedback where they can actually really make a, a sensible call and the right decision. So I thought this particular quote from Bob, you can't be, you know, you can't be in love and be wise at the same time. It goes a lot to what we try to do, which is providing people with the cold hard facts, um, but in a, in a very emotional environment. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful quote, dear. I thank you for that. I'm going to remember this because it speaks to the human condition, for goodness sake. Uh, they, you, you could use the terrible phrase that you have no, you have, you need horse sense if you're going to fall in love. I'm sorry for that, guys and girls. But anyway, it just came to mind. Yes, it, it wisdom 
flies out the window. And, and so, yes, we'll, we'll move on from that. Thank you, dear. And beautiful quote. Enrica Pace lasts around the table, but certainly not least has sent us a quote from another sport. Bobby Unser, Robert William, nicknamed Bobby Unser, still with us, born in 1934, an American former automobile racer, the brother of Al Unser, Jerry Unser, Louis Unser, the father of <laughs> Robbie Unser, the uncle of Al, uncle of Al Unser Jr. and Johnny Unser. You might say the Unser family is in the racing business. The Unser family has won the Indy 500 nine times, and Bobby is one of ten drivers to win the Indy 500 300, I'm sorry, three or more times, that was too much, and one of only two to have won the 500 in three different decades, 1968, 1975, 1981. Very interesting. Here's the quote. Success is where preparation and opportunity meet. Enrica, talk to me. A lovely quote. Thank you, Bonnie. I also did my research a little bit about the answers and I found everything you quoted here. And what fascinated me before I come to that quote is actually what you said that Bobby was winning the Indy 500 three times in three different decades which actually is very close to also what uh, sometimes happens in the sport of eventing because it can be done until old age and you find legends who won and participated in Olympics like five times, six times and who took home wins. So you have favorite names like Andrew Hoy or Sir Mark Todd um, who actually did that and are legends in the sport. So I like that. And to the quote, success is where preparation and opportunity meet, I'm, I'm a, a typical worker type and I, of person, and I found that this is actually what is necessary. I firmly believe that it is hard work and dedication that we need as, as basic for success. And then opportunity usually comes, and then once when we are prepared. So it's, it's our history also in that program. So back in 2013 when we started, there was like a big open space in, with regard to fan experience, with regard to offerings, digital offerings in the sport of equestrian. So we sat down and we faced a quite bold vision of saying we want to be the ones who will dramatically change the way of how the fans get engaged and um, how, how the sport is digested. And then we locked ourselves away with our first partners, Aachen and Ingrid Klimke, and we were so creative and we did the design thinking exercises and so on. Came back with a some well-phrased project uh, plans, and then we started to realize it step by step, piece by piece, and this was actually the beginning of the business and busiest and most fascinating time of my life. And when this has been seven years from now, and looking back at all of the amazing technologies we are here that are being used, like John said, the spectator judging, it's there like it has been ever. In the beginning, it was like a challenge. Nobody really trusts that this will ever become successful, and now it's just there. It's a standard. We have all these incredible partnerships with, with like-minded people like, like Acre Ratings, like Black Horse One. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually, for me, it's a proof that all of that hard work and also not letting go of that vision, even in times when it's probably these inevitable ups and downs are there, that was exactly what prepared us for the success. And we really, really enjoy that, that partnership and the work we, can, we are able to do Thank you, Henrika. This is the part of the show where I usually ask my guests, where are you calling from and what's your favorite drink? But I really want to get into the technology. So I tell you what, I'm going to ask you each where you are because I know you're all over the world today and our listeners are global, so they're interested in that. And we might save for the prediction round at the end what you love to drink, but I want to get into the technology. What What is your favorite part of technology? Let's make this a 90-second a quick lightning round and, and then we're not going to take a break. It's 
too late. Then we're going to get into the roundtable segment. But uh, Nicole Brown, let's start with you. First of all, where are you in the world today? And second of all, when we talk about technology and eventing, what is it? Is it Internet of Things, IoT sensors? Are they on the horse? Are they on the saddle? Are they on the rider? Are they on the gates that they have to jump over? Tell me, what's your favorite part of the technology that is basically updating and making eventing so exciting today? Nicole, you're first. Um, I am currently in the Midlands in England, near a city called Nottingham, so right flat bang in the middle of England. Um, in terms of what is my favorite thing of technology and eventing, for me, I actually think that a little bit of everything, because it's something that is fairly new to us for in recent years, but it's that being able to track a performance, it's being able to put it into context, whether it be through looking at, at speed ratings in the cross-country, whether it be looking at average dressage tests, that kind of thing. It's being able to put a performance into context through the data that is available that we are now able to track in a way that we perhaps haven't previously. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's move on to John Kyle. Where are you today and what's your favorite part or the part you focus on in terms of how technology is, is integrating itself into the sport of eventing? John? Well, I'm in London. I'm in my new flat. I moved about 10 days ago, so I'm still surrounded by all the boxes. I live in southwest London near Wimbledon Tennis. Um, for me, I mean, I think it's great that the broad brush technology is, is, is very interesting, and we have metrics for each of the three tests. I mean, for me, our, our USP is cross-country, uh, and therefore the technology that we can apply to that, and um, we, we have a great uh, video overlay of a head cam from, from SAP at the Chio Arkin of Ingrid Klimka, and it includes so much data. Um, speed is critical to our sport. Heart rate of athlete, um, equine, and human it is, is very, very interesting to manage and measure training. Um, all of those things, live tracking, so, so geolocation, um, all comes into it as well. So you can see whether people are up at split points, uh, just like in a downhill ski race, um, all of that suite of things, and not just the ability to measure, but the ability to display it in a way that's really accessible to the viewer at home, so that for the likes of Nicole and myself, we can say less about those aspects because it's so clear on the screen for, for those guys. So we can tell, we can do more storytelling, and we can, we can put what's happening into context, and we can say that speed means this. Thank you very much. Interesting. Um, I just wanted to know because it's just we don't think of horses and technology. We just It's just something you think you can put it on a football. As I said, you can put it on, on a sailboat. You can put it on the sails. You can put it at the dock. You can, you can help the, uh, the, the sailors understand. And, and they do in sailing, apparently, uh, John. Yeah. They do the, the biometrics of the sailors. How are they doing physically during the stresses of the race? Interesting to know. Thank you. Dirm at Equa Ratings, where are you today? And what do you love about the technology? What's your favorite part of what's happening with tech? and eventing well Bonnie I'm sitting in uh, a very big beautiful stone building in Dublin big high ceilings and it was originally the uh, a barrel house where they stored all the barrels for, for Guinness so we're, we're in the we're pretty mm. much in the Guinness factory in Dublin um, it's now uh, it's now a space where companies can work so we have an office here which is which is wonderful um, and in terms of the technology I mean, in terms, I suppose what Equating began as is very similar to the, to the Moneyball concept. So a lot of our early work would have been heavily based in, in taking the initial results 
formatting them, analysing them uh, and providing them. So a lot of that was kind of data mining and working with, with predictive algorithms. But as that's gone on, I suppose, the technology which I think is having the biggest effect and which I get the most joy from is probably the technology that, that, that really creates a connection with the fans. So we have developed a number of prediction games uh, and if you're not able to if you're not able to feel the technology, I don't think it, it holds the same amount. So fans are constantly now guessing whether we'll be right or whether they disagree with us and you're doing that as part of the live competition. Um, Black Horse One, who who Henrika mentioned, have a have an app which allows you to judge. You can be the judge for the competition. So fans are sitting in the stadium also judging and comparing their scores against the judges. So the technology which is connecting the fans with the sport and and making us feel closer to sport, I guess, is, is the piece which really excites me at the moment. Thank you very much. And Enrica, let's round this part of the show out. What's your favorite part of the technology in eventing? It's so hard, Bonnie, because they are all more or less my babies, and everything <laughs> yeah. which was already mentioned, I love them dearly. So the, the live tracking of cross-country was like it was a dream when Aachen told us we, we, we would love to have something to tell people. It's, we, we, we actually spied in sailing because they had the same problem. Boats are going out, sailors are coming back after two, three, four, five hours. People were waiting at the shore, and then somebody won. And everybody was excited, and, and it was just not, not transparent. And the same is actually in eventing. Um, riders go off. You can probably put yourself at one obstacle. You see a rider every time, every five minutes or so, and then you have to wait for the reports. And we wanted to change that, and we did change that with the sensors on the riders, with the head cams, with the nonstop live application where you can track things. So it has completely changed. We can now put people even on the horse with the head cam and the data and, and have them have the, the commentary of the riders and the live uh, sound. So I think that's very exi- exciting. I love the fan engagement. I actually love what AcriRatings does. I love Derm standing in front of a screen and doing our new weatherman show, predicting what happens, even if he... If it's getting a bit wrong, telling me that Ingrid Grimm is not winning the because she had a pole down in, 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 in show jumping, she will not win the cross country. She had a pole down in Aachen. Derm rushed back to his system and he, he, he wizarded a little, a little bit with the numbers and he came back figuring out there's still a likelihood of plus 2% she will win and she did. That's the type of storytelling which makes it so exciting. But to be honest, just on a side note, my most important and, and the project I love most at the moment is the equestrian simulator, which we may be talking in another broadcast or in another podcast where people can ride and use sensors and ride all the courses and use all the data we do on an electric course. That's all. I, I, I don't want to wait for another broadcast. You started it. <laughs> Enrica, talk to me. What, what is this rider? Tell me, what is this uh, electric riding? Sounds fun. So, Just give it's, us a it's brief so hard overview. It's for us to, to connect people with a sport when they are not riders, you know? Mm-hmm. In, in tennis, you give them a racket and they play Angie Kerber if they are lucky. On, in, in sailing, we put them on a boat um, you know, in, they get a club and they go golfing with Ernie Els. But in equestrian sport, the, the, the closest thing they can get at an event is maybe petting Ingrid Voss on the nose. So what we were looking at is was finding something where we can bridge the gap of letting the normal person feel what riding is and giving the advanced rider an opportunity to enhance. And we found a beautiful small company also in the UK, which is called Racefoot, and they are creating equestrian simulators, which actually re- react like a horse. They have sensors. You need to ride them with all the aid a rider gives. And we have connected them for the first time with like the CO, uh, CHO Aachen course. So the course Ingrid Klimke rides is in the simulator, so a normal rider can join her experience. We can add it with the data. In the future, we will also do, of course, 
um, analysis. We maybe even do predictions using everything we have, maybe fan engagement with it. But that's something I think is just beautiful and people love it because they, for the first time, some people could get on a horse and feel how it is to walk, to canter, to trot. So that is wow. Just that, that I couldn't let that pass. You mentioned it, and we go. We weren't going to wait. We got you, you know. You dangle all of this interesting stuff in front of us. We want to know right away. Let's go around the table, Nicole Brown. I'm going to pick one statement from each of you from the very interesting notes you all sent me before the show, and then just explain it. And instead of going around, I think I'll just pick one from each of you so we can optimize the time we have left here. So Nicole Brown says the following: Eventing can be complicated. It's time we made it more simple in order to grow the equestrian audience. Nicole, just Give me a, a two-minute overview of how to make it more simple in your role as a broadcaster working with new technology in eventing and other equestrian aspects. Go ahead. I think it's, it's ultimately eventing is never going to be the 100 meters. You know, in the 100 meters, they all line up at the start, and whoever gets past the finish flag first wins. You know, eventing is three phases. That's what makes it so special. However, if we make it more simple we can engage with our audience and we can grow that audience. So for me, it's really important. And part of my role as a communicator to the audience, that direct link is making it easy to understand. So if they tune in, they know exactly what is happening, how it's happening, and what the result of that is. So the growth of technology and data over the last few years has really given us a platform on which to reach outside of your traditional audience who have perhaps been fans for many, many years. So I think by being able to explain that result and how somebody got to that situation is something that we've taken for granted elsewhere, but actually we're now able to catch up with in eventing and make sure that the audience understands it and can actually experience and can become invested in it. Because if they understand, they'll become invested as, as they see all of the action unfold. So with the, the use of technology for operating, you can look at the likelihood of something happening. That's up for us to then be able to explain and put that across to the audience. If somebody, for example, has never jumped clear at a certain level, has never scored below a certain mark in the dressage, we can then explain that to the audience and just how important that is and what impact it has on the actual results. And likewise, by making, as John said a little bit earlier, the graphics on screen and the, te the technology that is available through the work of SAP, you know, the audience become used to that and they start to read it to themselves, which gives us more time to explain the color. But it's actually something that's fairly new in eventing. And I think we can really engage and keep the ball rolling and to really kind of drive it forward. Now is the time to drive it forward and really engage with it and increase the fan experience and make sure that we are telling the story and that people understand it. And, you know, everybody is expecting it now, so it's up to us to deliver. Um, and I think that that will ultimately make the sport easier to understand and it will really engage with the audience that is perhaps outside of our traditional channels. Thank you very much, Nicole. Fascinating. And I'm going to move on to a statement here from John Kyle. We're doing this a little differently because I just want to cover a lot of information. John says something very provocative, and I'm not surprised having met him and spoken to him. He says, equestrianism, I did pronounce that right, John, is the commercial Wild West. Okay, talk to me. You say, at the moment, all equestrian sports have a degree of schizophrenia over who their target marketing is. you got to explain this. Unpack it, as they say in the news. John Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, um, so I, I mean, as a commercial wild, wild West, what I said was one large sponsor. And I mean, that, that is large in our terms. It's probably tiny in terms of NFL, NHL or something. I mean, we're talking about sports where, you know, a, a quarter of a million dollar total prize fund with, you know, 25 or 33% to the winner. That's, that's the biggest in the sport. Um, golfers wouldn't get out of bed for that. One large sponsor could change this sport tomorrow. Um, and this schizophrenia thing. Well, for me, uh, eventing is, like you mentioned, badminton. And badminton is, Pony, you are absolutely right. It's both a place and a sport. We were very lucky to have lunch in the room in which badminton, the sport, was invented. And the reason mm-hmm. is it's the size of a badminton court, and they played um, in there. That's a, that's a country house, the Duke of Beaufort. In America, we go to the Kentucky Horse Park, and we have this huge stadium. It seats more than 10,000 people, and it's a total fan experience in that stadium. It's amazing. And they're the same sport. And what we may or may not have conveyed to you yet is that cross-country, my goodness, it's risky. I mean, this is, this is a Red Bull extreme sport. But we can't have a Red Bull extreme sport at the home of the Duke of Beaufort. So where do we want to be? What do we want to do? And I, I'd like to sort of pack this a little bit with, with sort of what um, Nicole was saying as well about mm-hmm. simplicity. The Olympics is our biggest shop window. And if you go to a baseball game, be it for your eight-year-old son or right the way through to, to, to the New York Yankees. Football, the same. Um, soccer, whatever. It's the same format. What we do at the Olympics is something we do do in the rest of the sport, but the next time you might see the sport on television, it might be the more compact version. And we have this mm-hmm. problem in, in actually all of our equestrian disciplines that we have a lot of different formats. So when you tune in, quite a lot of the time of you, you, you just need to get up to speed with what on earth is going on. You can't go, I know baseball, I'm going to tune in and I'm going to watch baseball. So simplicity, I think, is another big part of, of this commercial Wild West. Where do we want to be? What do we want to be? Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Let me move on to Dearm Byrne. I'm still pronouncing your name right, I think. Uh, let's see. You sent me all some very interesting. I get a medal for that. You sent me some very interesting comments here. Let's see. Um, when it comes to making a sport exciting, context is king. And you say, sure, I love looking at horses galloping around a field or men shooting a ball into a hoop, but without score, stories, data, and context, it doesn't engage people. What's your thought about context for eventing, Jim? Um, I, I think it probably picks up a little bit on, on what Nicole was talking about as well, because the, the sport itself is a wonderful thing. And, and I would say that across all sports, just watching the top level of any sport, you can get great enjoyment from looking at high performance athletes doing, doing their job. But I think it gets pretty boring for me anyway, pretty quickly when you don't have a story. So for example, I think one of the things that we've really worked hard on is up until a certain point recently, there just wasn't uh, numbers associated with the sport in any way. So you would go out, you would jump a round of show jumping, for example. You mm-hmm. might be clear, you might be not clear. And that was it. And if it was clear, everyone presumed that was good, and it was good. And if you weren't, so be it. But then actually, as you begin to do some very basic data mining, if it might even be called that, and you see that this person has never knocked a pole in their career, and we have mm-hmm. some of those people in the sport. Well, now if you're flicking through the channels, and yes, 
you may you may have to pick up on John's point and Nicole's point. Yes, it may not be uh, immediately apparent, but if you have one of these guys on the screen and you happen to be flicking through the channels at the point where they tell you that this particular writer, you may not know the name, you may not know the country, but in their career, they've never knocked a show jump. Well, mm. the likelihood is, certainly for me, I would probably stay just at the very least to see the end of this show jumping round. And if they haven't knocked it, it you know, I'm delighted, well done, the record continues, the streak continues. And if they do, well, I was there to see today that they actually did knock a show jump. So there's so mm. many different ways in which context becomes important. But to keep it at its very, very basic level, I think sport is, is amazing. And watching people continually run the 100 metres and see how quick they are would be great. But if I didn't know about Usain Bolt's record and I didn't have that up at the bottom of the screen and to see if someone beat it, I think I would run out of, run out of love um, a lot quicker than I do with, with the context. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Context is always king today. Thank you. Enrica has sent me some interesting comments here as well. She says, creating a seamless fan experience is an art. Each equestrian event is different. Most are held in beautiful but remote places, often run by volunteers and by a lot of different entities. Talk to me about how to create that seamless fan experience, Enrica, using the technology. What is it going to do to to bring it all together and make the fan? And you can reference back to the context comments from Durham, if you like. That's definitely what I wanted to do. That fits perfectly. Thank you, Bonnie. Mm -hmm. So to me, actually, the experience we had over the last three or four years for the Event Rider Master Series is actually what brought me to that quote or to that statement. Because the Event Rider Master Series deliberately set out to um, do something against what we just discussed, make sure the sport of eventing is getting to the screens. It's getting not only to the local exclusive communities, but it's getting to the screens worldwide with a full full-time live streaming with a 45-minute clipped um, summary highlight show per each of the leg with a lot of new technology commentary, format change, it, making it shorter, having kiss and cry podiums, and so on and so forth. And we were an integral part of the whole planning of that fan experience, um, uh, let's say, portfolio of that series together with, uh, with people like them, with people like John, Paul, who's the, the anchor inside, John outside, and so on. And it, I really learned, somebody coming from SAP as a sponsor, um, how beautiful A it is and how, how important and critical it is to bring the broadcasters, the commentators, um, the, the right ideas and talent for the storytelling just in one, let's say, comprehensive concept, um, having pre-shows, having, let's say, interesting stories, interviewing writers, bringing the context up front, telling people what to watch out for, then showing it in, in, in beautiful but also digestible formats and sections, enriching it with our technology. So in dressage, you can judge, but you will also have Nicole's and John's commentary all the time. You will see statistics from rating. Same in show jumping. You will have predictions and resumes always in between the different disciplines. Then you come to the cross-country, which is at the end. There is a, the opportunity for organizers to have cross-country at the end or to have show jumping at the end, depending on how they would uh, tell the story. Event rider masters choose show jumping at the end. They have a, let's say, a rolling podium. So so after half of the field, riders get on the podium and they kick each other off when they end and they are better. So there's always for the audience, they, they see action, they see riders moving from seat to seat, mm -hmm. but they also see the family story. They see riders getting their little children on their laps. 
um, they, they get technology, they see predictions, you know what I mean? And this story, and then having also the condensed format afterwards in the 45 minutes uh, highlight show with our commentary, that is a beautiful new format to me, and this is really a piece of art. This has never been done before. I think a lot of people came and wanted to watch it and, and, and try to use it as a benchmark. That is, to me, a very, very good example of how the sport can move on. Thank you very much. I have a question for all four of you. We're almost at our predictions round in about two minutes. But first, let me just go around the table. Who is the target audience? If somebody has never shown an interest in eventing, in horseback riding, in in horse jumping, other than maybe seeing it in a movie or happening to channel surf some Sunday and seeing an event, oh, it's not golf, oh, it's not tennis, oh, it's not football, oh, it's not baseball, (laughs) oh, it's not sailing. What are they doing? Okay, they're wearing nice clothes and a horse jumped over the gate. Where, what is the audience target to expand the reach of eventing and make it basically a household word, if I can be so bold as to say that? The idea of horse jumping and dressage and, and eventing and the whole concept of the equestrian branch of sports. So, Nicole, who would your, your thoughts be on who the target market is? Who are you trying to reach with this excitement that's so clear from the four of you? Nicole Brown first. I think we have our traditional fans. We have your traditional Mm -hmm. audience. So for me, yes, eventing is not a mainstream sport as such at the moment, but it's making sure that anybody that tunes in, whether they have literally flipped a channel and have never seen a horse in the flesh before, that they see something that actually makes them go, oh, I want to watch this. So I wouldn't like to sort of restrict the potential audience because I think mm-hmm. it is something that is so unique, so special, so dramatic, full of adrenaline, that actually we can go outside of your traditional equestrian audience. And driving forward through technology and data and those sorts of things are actually making eventing more attractive to those people that actually previously perhaps hadn't thought about it. That's what I was looking for. Thank you very much. Let's get John Kyle's opinion on this. What audience are you looking for? Well, I think, Bonnie, you might have said in your original monologue, but we have a sport not only where we have equine and human athletes, but we have men and women on absolutely equal terms. Mm-hmm. But our, our fan base is maybe majority female. Um, but the, ah. the amazing thing about horses is how much people are drawn to them. Like you say, flicking through a channel, golf, tennis, blah, 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 suddenly a horse, my goodness, and you stop and you pause. That's our moment. Um, We, I think, through fan engagement, we're actually doing the the next likely step. We have an audience or we can hook somebody through our amazing horses. But what about that audience member's partner? And I think to take my my wife's parents, uh, a very horsey mother-in-law, an accountant father-in-law, we can break, bring him in. He loves to sit and watch dressage because he likes to guess what the score is at the end. He simply loves numbers. And there's aspects of, of the fan engagement and the fan experience strategy that we're putting in place that is, is there, and it's going to get us more male fans, to, to be honest. And it's going to mean that when somebody wants to go to an event or somebody wants to sit down and watch eventing on the television, there's something for their partner to do as well. They can be involved. And second screen experience uh, and interactivity is, is that next step, and we're doing it live, and it's how we then bring it into, uh, you know, uh, sec- second site broadcast uh, in, 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 you know, not live. Um, so I think exactly as Nicole says, this is about 
moving beyond and finding those new fans. But it's also looking for the next step of fans beyond who we've currently engaged. Thank you. Dear Byrne, I think we are using up our prediction time and it's, it's, we're doing well. So, Dear Byrne, the Equa Ratings, what audiences are you trying to reach through your technology, through your company, through your passion, even though you don't know the front end from the back end of a horse? You already said that, so I'm quoting you. I can give you about 90 <laughs> seconds, 90 seconds for this comment. I want to save 90 seconds for Enrica. Go ahead, Dear. I, I think to bring it back to my own story, Bonnie, I was a, a, a very big soccer fan, loved a range of sports, and I didn't, um, I didn't really know anything about this sport, as you, as you said. And, and to be honest, in the subsequent years, having, having been to it, having been drawn in by it, you know, I've pretty much, or I'm about to dedicate, I would expect, a, a, an awful lot of my life and my working days every day to it. And... I think what we're targeting is really people who don't yet know about the sport because I think the sport itself is able to sell itself very well. Once you get to an event, once you get to a horse trials, you actually get so drawn in by by the power, the passion, the excitement that the real challenge for us at the moment is is just accessing those sports obsessives. I'm very confident in the product and in the sport itself that it can bring people in. But as John mentioned, as Nicole mentioned, we've got to just make sure we can get to them. So for me, I, I think the sport is in a great place to be able to bring in corporate audiences, to be able to support big family occasions. Um, but once we get people to give it a chance to, to visit their horse trials, to tune into eventing, to look at the event rider masters, to see eventing this, uh, ne- this next summer coming up at the Olympics, I think once we let people see it once, they, they get hooked on the drug. Thank you very much. Enrica Pates, I saved 90 seconds for you. That's just about all we have. So what audiences are you looking for to share your passion about eventing? Um, emphasizing on what my, my panelist, former panelist said, um, I think we have to really uh, consider that there are, obviously, after of, uh, official numbers of the FEI, there are more than 750 million fans around the globe who are into equestrian sports. So there's a famous quote of Mark Bellissimo, who was the organizer, for example, of the World Equestrian Games in the U.S. last year, who said in the U.S. alone there are 8 million people who ski, 23 million who pick up a tennis racket, 25 who golf, and 27 million people who would ride a horse. So these are the people who we would just have to get, like the other panelists said, when they just click around in TV and they see a horse, we need to create that context and that opportunity and these offerings, for example, with fan engagement that spans between legs of, of, of uh, series or whatever, with social storytelling, with engaging games and so on, and get them back on the screen because they understand what they are doing and then are keen to be part of the community to go on. Thank you very much. I have so much enjoyed, so very much enjoyed speaking with the four of you and meeting you. I'm very honored that you've all taken the time out of your very busy schedules and your very busy event. I'm posting a lot of tweets here, so if you look at hashtag SAP Radio, you'll see them, and we love it if you'd retweet them or comment on your own. And a shout-out, big shout-out to Ryan Summers at SAP, sponsor of the series. Ryan, you knock, I'm going to say you kick this one out of the park. Again, such great topics on your show. 
show talking about technology and sports. And a shout out also to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire, who just told me I have 30 seconds to wrap up, so I'm going to do exactly that. So all I'm going to say is fasten your seatbelt, tighten your saddle, and make sure you're holding on to the reins. What are you waiting for? Go out and ride and be a game changer today. Just like Nicole Brown, sportscaster extraordinaire, John Kyle, John Kyle Speaks on Twitter, sports broadcaster, also extraordinaire, Diem Byrne at Equa Ratings, and Henrika Pates at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us, and I'll be back tomorrow morning, Wednesday, Business Channel, right here, 11 a.m. Eastern, with my next episode of my brand new series, Technology Revolution, The Future of Now, talking about, look up, is it a bird? No. Is it a plane? No. It's a drone. Get ready. I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Technology and Sports, presented by SAP. The best run SAP. Subscribe to Game Changing Technology and Sports on iTunes and catch up on previous episodes. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game changing week.